Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Fantastic. Uh, I have I've missed hanging out with you guys over the past month. If you've uh, maybe just started coming to One Church over the past couple of weeks, uh, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I've been gone for the past month. My mentor, a good friend of mine, he's actually preached at this church. His name is David. He passed away uh, back in April, and uh, he was leading a church in uh, Brentwood, Franklin area. And uh, they're still, you know, they're looking for a pastor and stuff, so they asked me to come and, and preach and teach for them. So I've been up there for a month, and I come back, and I find out you guys haven't even missed me because Joel did a fantastic job. Do you all agree with that? I mean, dad gone. <clears throat> I'm so thankful to Joel and Josh and Patrick. Our staff are just wonderful. I just love these guys, and I want to say thank you so much. Many of you volunteer here, and I want to say thank you so much for volunteering and sharing your gifts and talents uh, with us. I'm just so thankful for you guys. Also, I want to tell you a couple of things before we dive into our new series starting today. Um, This Sunday morning, actually this morning at 9 o'clock, we've done something we've never done before. A good friend of mine and one of our elders here named Tom Henry started a new class going through the book of John. So if you are kind of like wanting to dig in deeper and trying to understand kind of how John and all that fits together and Jesus and the Bible, I would encourage you to come to that class. It's at 9 o'clock, and you can come to that class and still come here, and your children would be uh, fine in both environments. So I want to tell you about that. Also, I want to let you know, uh, before we dive into today's message, uh, how many of you all have your smartphones? Let me see them. All right, cool. What I want you to do is I want you to pull these things out, and I want you to do two things. I want you to download the YouVersion app if you've not already done that. It's a free download, and you can follow along uh, on YouVersion in our live notes. All you got to do is hit live, and you click on One Church. Also, my phone number is going to be up on the screen. So as I'm teaching through today's message, if you guys have any questions or if you would like to interact with the message today, you can be able to do that as well. All right? Now, today, we're starting a new series about sticky notes. Now, for some of you, I know you're like, okay, it's true, he's lost it, all right? Here's the thing about sticky notes. Sticky notes were invented because many of us, we have bad memories, right? We will jot something down, we'll put it on a sticky note, we'll slap it somewhere, and it's something that we write to remind us. Well, today, we're going to be reminded for the next four weeks, starting today, that the stuff that we have who owns it? You just saw that video of them kind of uh, kind of t- taking off Tim's name or Jack's name and putting in G-O-D apostrophe S because that is the name of our new series, and that's who owns it all. It's our stuff. Here's the thing. I, here's what we'll, all of us have in common here today. Whether you um, understand the Bible or not, whether you go to church or not, whether or not you know about Jesus and he's your Savior, or maybe you don't know anything about God, here's what one of the things we all have in common is we all have stuff, right? I mean, all of us have got stuff, and we want stuff, we see stuff. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming around, which means what comes after Thanksgiving? That's right, Black Friday. And some of you are going, I'm, you've already got your list. Right? And uh, I, I've got three boys. And one of the things that they do is they start compiling lists months before Christmas because they want stuff. Right? We all want stuff. Some of you, you paint stuff, you insure stuff, you protect stuff, you pack stuff. Right? Uh, some of you, some of your most prized stuff used to be somebody else's stuff because it was an antique. 
right? And uh, you don't even know who owned it, but maybe your grandmother or grandfather or great-grandfather. It may have been somebody. They treasured it, but then they died. And then the pre-dead people came and went through their stuff. And then they, you know, they kind of compiled it and, hey, can we group this together? And I'd like to buy this for five bucks at an estate sale. However that works. Here's the thing that all of us have in common. We all have stuff. And let me tell you, nations go to war over stuff. Families get torn apart because of stuff. Um, some of you, if you're older here, um, you've got stuff and your kids, the pre-dead people, are already starting to claim your stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then when you pass away, they're going to they're have a church service. They're going to go home, eat potato salad. And then everybody's going to start fighting over your stuff. Exactly right. Now, here's the crazy thing about this. When you and I die, we don't take any of our stuff with us. Do you know you're going to give it all away? Isn't that, aren't y'all so generous? We are so generous. We're going to give all of our stuff away. Not only are you going to give all your stuff away, you're either going to give all of your money away when you die, or it's going to be taxed away, which probably that's what's going to happen. All right? Or somebody's going to take it, something's going to happen, but you're going to leave it all here. Here's the thing about this. All of our stuff, eventually, all of us will give it all away. We're going to give it, and we're going to, all of our money away, and it's no longer going to be our stuff. Today, and for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about stuff. And even though we know we have this tension that it's all, we can't take it with us, we're all going to give it away. We know that. While we're alive, we have a hard time giving it away, don't we? I know I do. I mean, yeah, we all throw a couple of dollars here or there or to the homeless person who washes our windshield or when the offering bucket pass, you know, we'll throw a Lincoln in. Um, but, I mean, we, even though we know we're going to give it away, it's hard for us to be generous now. And again, I don't know if else feels that. I, I feel that sometimes. And I think the reason why, even though we know we're going to give it away, one day, it's just not now. The reason why we are living in this tension is because of a four-letter word. No, not that four-letter word. Stop thinking about that. The four-letter word is M-I-N-E. How many of y'all have any two-year-olds, had a two-year-old, want to sell a two-year-old? I'm with you. Here's the thing about two-year-olds. Two-year-olds, as a parent, you give them something... And then you say, hey, can, I, can Daddy see that? No, it's mine. Really? I mean, I want to ask that two-year-old, have you, do you have a job? <laughs> have you paid the bills? It ain't yours. It's been given to you by a grateful mom and dad. In fact, they say it's mine, and it could be so easily taken away because if they, if they say mine too much, we what? We take it away, and we say, go to your room right? I mean, that's just what it is. But we have this issue that, that a two-year-old, it seems so strange that a two-year-old can say it's mine when they didn't do anything to earn it, and it could be taken away so easily. Don't you think it's a little bit strange that you and I, we have things in our life that we say, no, that's mine, when really it's been given to us, and it could be so easily taken away. So as we live with the tension of our stuff, 
of our stuff, we're going to dive down deep into a Bible story today that many of you, even if you grew up in church, you probably have never heard of. And if you've never grown up in church, I'm so glad you're here today because you're going to see a wonderful example of, as we're looking at this guy in the Bible, of how he saw his stuff. Because here's the thing. When we see our stuff the way God sees our stuff, then we're going to do with our stuff what God wants us to do with our stuff. Say that three times twice. All right? Now, here's the thing. The guy we're going to be looking at today, his name is David. David. And the verse of the Bible, a couple of verses we're going to be looking at today, is in First Chronicles 29. Now, Good luck trying to find that. It's in the Old Testament. Now, here's the cool thing. If you have a Bible, we give away free Bibles here. Go to the table of contents. Go ahead and, and find that puppy. If not, if you have your smartphone, you got version. you can just download it and on there, or it's going to be up on the screen. We're trying to put all the cookies so everybody can get them, all right? First Chronicles chapter 29, and let me set the stage of the story that we're going to be looking at about this guy and his life and how he saw his stuff. Now, when I say David, for those of you guys who maybe grew up in church, maybe bounced out later, when you think of David, what do you think of? All right, King David, somebody else? Goliath, there you go. Let me tell you about, give you some, uh, give you some stuff about David. David grew up and he was very, very poor. In fact, um, before he was the king, his job was a shepherd. Shepherds smell like sheep. Anybody know what sheep or burn animals smell like? Ugh, right? I remember uh, living in Iowa, and some of those Iowans, you know, they would get around the manure, and they said, you smell that? I'm like, yeah, that's nasty. They said, no, that's money. Because their idea, you know, yeah, of hogs and pigs and all that stuff, God love them, all right? Um, I think it's like nasty, all right? But here's the thing. David grew up, and he smelled like sheep. He was from a very large family. He was very poor. In fact, David really only had two possessions. He had a sling that he would put stones in that he would throw and kind of get, uh, try to get the lions, tigers, and bears on my way. But he also owned a harp. It was kind of like a guitar. And he would hang out by himself while he's watching the sheep, and he would sit here, and he would pluck on the strings and sing songs about God. Now, even though he grew up very, very poor, God saw his heart, God saw his life, and God chose to pick David to be the next king over the nation of Israel. I mean, you were talking about a rags to riches here. And after he, um, Samuel, the prophet, came and said, okay, you're going to be the next king, he waited about 12 to 15 years, and his dream came, finally came true. And now David is the king over the entire kingdom. I mean, he's like Trump, Donald. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got it all. All right, so well, and, and he and he was a he was a godly man. He had his hang ups, he had his jacks ups. All right, but he I mean he was a good man. He was a man after God's own heart. Well, when we come into First Chronicles chapter twenty nine, we see David at the end of his life, and David has come to the realization of this. He's sitting in his palace, and he's eating grapes probably, and he's sitting around. He's going, man, this palace. I love this palace. And then he realizes, you know, up to this point, up to this point. Nobody has an appropriate place to come and worship the God of Israel. You see, the God of Israel was everywhere, but his physical representation was in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? You don't open up the lid because your face will melt off. 
All right? So the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant, even though God lived everywhere, this was his physical manifestation with us. It, he, it was in an ark, and it was, it wasn't, he didn't have his own palace or anything. He was outside in a tent. Anybody remember what the tent was called? Tabernacle. Very, very good. All right? Th- three stars. Cool. You got it. All right, write it down. Here's the thing. So David is living in the palace. He's going, you know, God, even though he's everywhere, nobody really has a place to worship God, but it's a tent outside the city. I got an idea. I want to build God a temple. I want to build God a building where everybody could come and worship God. And God, he, he, he prayed to God. He says, God, this is what I, I want to do. I want to do this for you. And God said, no. Really? No? I mean, what great intentions, right? God says, listen, the temple's fine, all that stuff, even though I don't, I don't need a temple. You know, I, I understand what you're doing. Here's the thing. You can't do it, David, because you've, you've, your hands have shed too much blood. There's too much violence. Uh, you know, you're really good at fighting all this stuff. You can't do it, but your son, Solomon, can do it. And Solomon's name literally meant peace. And that's where we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. It says this. 1 Chronicles 29.1, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for who? The Lord God. With, what's that next word? Not with some, but with all my resources... I have provided for the temple of my God. Another translation says it this way. Using every resource at my command, when David thought about what he was going to give professionally and personally, I mean, he had wealth as a king, and then he had his own personal stash. He looked, he looked at it all, and he looked for ways to give as much as he could possibly give. I mean, that's so different than my mind, mindset, and probably yours as well. David an old man by now, and he's beginning to get perspective about his stuff. That it isn't David's stuff. It's G-O-D apostrophe S. It's God's stuff. That he can't take it with him. So he starts with all of his resources. He wants to start giving to the maximum of his ability for this great project. Verse 2 and verse 3. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. And then he goes and he says what he's provided. Listen to this. This is kind of This is cool stuff. Gold for the gold work. Silver for the silver. Bronze for the bronze. Iron for the iron. And wood for the wood. As well as onyx for the settings. Turquoise. Stones of various colors. And all kinds of fine stone and marble. All for these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I provided for this temple. Now, here's the thing. God says, you can't build it. And David says, fine. Here's what I'm going to do. If I can't build it, I'm at least going to put my resources behind it, and I'm going to start the capital campaign. I'm going to start giving to the maximum. And what's so cool, uh, in, in other places in Scripture, it actually tells how much weight of gold he gave and silver and all this stuff. If you put that in today's terms... David gave around $17 billion. How many of y'all wouldn't mind if God made y'all just not multimillionaire, but just a millionaire? Anybody? 
All of us. We'd love to have a cool meal, right? We're not talking million. We're talking he gave away $17 billion. Dear Jesus, that is crazy. Look at the end of verse 5. Now, he gives this challenge. Now, who is willing to consecrate? That's kind of a churchy word. It just means to commit. Who is willing to commit himself today to the Lord? And I want to point out how unusual this would have been in ancient times because David gives a challenge. He says, okay, this is what I am doing. What are you going to do? Now, let me tell you what most kings or pharaohs would do. If they wanted other people to give, they wouldn't say, hey, I'm doing this now. What are you going to do? They would say this. This is what you're going to do, right? If Pharaoh wanted to build a pyramid, he said, thank you so much. You are now giving 45%. Really? I don't want to. It doesn't matter. But David didn't, like, force this on him. And let me tell you the reason why. is because David wanted this community of people to be a group of people that were willing to give generously. Not because they had to, but because they wanted to. And I'm telling you, that same spirit today, is, it should be here in the church. It's not because we have to, it's because we want to. And we're, in fact, we're going to be talking about that next week. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know how much you should give? Whatever you can give generously. Some of you are going, ah, that's easy for me. I can't give nothing generously. All right? I don't know. We'll talk about that. All right? But what's so cool about this is David, once he saw God and saw his stuff, not as his stuff but God's, he was able to do some things with his stuff that 2,000 years, 3,000 years later, we're still talking about this. That's really cool. And not only did David do this, but the people around David did this. Look at verse 6. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave, what is that next word? Willingly. There is an explosion of generosity on the part of the other leaders of the kingdom. They, they start leading the way. Uh, I'd like you to notice what the word used to describe to give because it's willingly, a little bit wider, it says in verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response, there's that word again, willing, willing response of their leaders, for they had given, look at it, freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. They didn't give just because the king made them give. They gave because they wanted to give. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Later on, David said this about the process. He says in verses 17 and 18, all these things I've given willingly. There's that word again. Everybody say willingly. That's the third time this has showed up. Anytime you're studying the Bible, if you see something repeated, you've got to dig into it. Willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how, what's that next word? willingly, y'all aren't saying it willingly, willingly your people have given to you. Oh, Lord, your God, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever. That was a prayer that David prayed that evidently hasn't happened. Because I don't know about you, I have never been in a church where this feeding frenzy of giving started happening. Right? It's just usually, now I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Usually in a church, and when the offering bucket comes around, and some of you guys, you maybe grew up in a church where you had the gold plates with the felt in the bottom. You know the reason why they put the felt in the bottom? So the chains don't clink. 
because everybody knows what people give. I'm just saying, here's the thing. When the, and when the offering bucket comes around, we have this tendency. We don't feel willingness. We don't feel joy. What do, you, we, what do we usually feel? We usually feel guilt, right? I'll be honest with you. I am a pastor who's been married for 19 years, and for the first 14 years of our 19 years of our marriage, my wife and I struggled with this whole idea of it being God's. We knew everything was God's. We knew that, you know, God gave us everything. We knew that. But where we struggled is giving it back willingly to him. And for the first 14 years of our marriage, we, what we did is we'd say, okay, if there was enough money at the end of the month, we would give. Guess what? There is never enough money at the end of the month. Why? Because I'm just like you, right? Whatever you have, you will, you will, you will spend. That's exactly right, all right? Here's the thing. And we're going to be talking about this a little bit more. But there's this tension that, you know what, and this is what my wife, when we started One Church, that's when we realized, you know what, we have got to do this right. And, and at that point, we were living in my parents' basement, dear Jesus. I mean, you talk about being humbling. We said, okay, this is the time to do it. So we started giving. And I'm telling you, one of the things that helped us out is we found a system so that we could be able to do this. And I'll talk about that here in the next couple of weeks. But I'm, just, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I don't want you to think I'm perfect on this. Because I'm not. I struggle with this just like you do. Because I got bills and so do you. But see, the issue is, who owns it? Is it yours? Or is it God's? That is where we're going to be looking at. You know, uh, as we see this attitude, and they, when they saw their stuff in a different light, and suddenly they start asking a different question, these people. They start asking the question, okay, how can I maximize all of my stuff so I can give more? That's not the question I usually get as a pastor. Here's the question I get, all right? I get a few. Number one, tithing. I know that's kind of an Old Testament thing. Do we have to do that in the New Testament? I mean, do we have to, really? Here's another one. Or, or if I give, like, a percentage-wise, do I give it off the net or do I give it off the gross? All right? Now, here, here's the thing about all of those. And all of those are great questions. In fact, I'd encourage you, give me your questions. I don't know who's texting them to me, so you're safe. Um, here's the thing behind a lot of these questions. It's like this. How much money do I have to give God and he'll still be happy with me? Right? Let's tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of y'all got mamas? Most of y'all. Here's the thing. My mother was sitting back here in the 9 o'clock service, and I said this, so y'all hold me accountable on this. Christmas is coming. What if I went up to my mom and I said, Mom, what is the least amount of money that I can spend on your present without damaging our relationship? How many of y'all are going to ask that question to your mama? Hey, let's talk later. Just saying. Anyway, nobody's going to ask that question. Why? Because it's a relationship. You love your mama, right? I, I mean, some of you, if you're married and you love your spouse, all right, you love your spouse, so you're not going to ask your wife or your husband, what's the least amount of money I could spend on your Christmas present and you still allow me to be in this house? That's, that's the wrong question. You see, the, the, I, I, I say a better question. How, how much do you love your mom? How much do you love your spouse? And you see, that drives a totally different boat, doesn't it? 
I mean, let's be honest. If you're like the average Christian, there isn't a lot of positive emotion associated with giving. There isn't. I mean, when you're getting around an offering and the offering comes by, it's just like, oh, dear Jesus. Really? Again? Do I have to do this again? Right? And then other people, like, you know, they're kind of looking, are, you know, what are they giving? You know? You know, right? I mean, there's just a lot of guilt associated. And you know what? One of the things we're going to be talking about next week is it, it's, God's not about the guilt on this. God wants you to think and plan accordingly ahead of time. That's what it says. And God's saying, this is what God's going to be saying next week, straight from the Bible. If you know what, if you're guilted into it, just, just keep it. I don't want it. Because I want you to give cheerfully. This group, David and all of these people, understood the difference between ownership and stewardship. They understood the difference between ownership, it's mine, I'll give you some, maybe just a dollar, right? Or stewardship, it's all yours in a way, so I'm just going to give you whatever and I'm going to live on the rest. David prays a prayer that gives us tremendous insight in his perspective. Look at this, verses 10 and 11. David prays the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Now, here it is. Here's what David is wanting to teach you and I today for, what's that next word? Everything. Do you know what the original language, what everything means? It means everything. It's crazy. Thanks for coming to One Church. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Let's say that. Everything in heaven and earth is his. Let's say it again. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. David recognized that everything that he possessed as a king, everything that he possessed personally, that everything belongs to G-O-D apostrophe S. That we own nothing, that God owns everything, that, that there is no four-letter word called mine. Look at what verse 12 says. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. Now, men, listen to this. You and I get tripped up on this one because, guys, we look at the work of our hands and we say, look what I've done. Dago, did you just see that? Let me tell you, I used to read electric meters here in Clarksville when I was in college. And still to this day, I'll be riding with my wife, and I'm like, I read that meter. Seriously, you see that house? Read it. They got a big dog, like they did 15 years ago. Just saying, all right? Here's the thing. Guys, we have this pride, this I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my thing, right? And we think because I have done this and I've done it with the work of my hands, then it's mine. But let me tell you, David, from a young age, while he was a teenager, he killed Goliath, and, then, and from there, he started serving in the army. And he, with his sword and with his blood and sweat and tears, he, he promoted this kingdom. And he doesn't say, it's my kingdom. He doesn't say, do you see what I've done? After 40 years, do you see this kingdom? He never says that. He says, no, yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, verse 12, because wealth and honor come from you. In other words, anything I have came from you. Why? Because it all belongs to you. You are the ruler of all things. In other words, everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. 
Everything belongs to God, and everything comes from God. I mean, what you own was given to you by God. All right? Now, some of you, you're mad because you've not, been, you've not received more. You ain't got to get mad about that. Look at what it says in verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power. Look at this. To exalt and give strength to all. To all. The word exalt literally means to make great. And this is what this verse says. Keep that verse up. I love this. It says, in your hands, your hands, in my hands, you have the power and the ability to decide who you are going to make great. Is it going to be you? Or is it going to be God? Now, here's what's so cool about this. Because all of us, we say, well, if I had this, then I would. I'd say that. If You know, if I had this, then I would do this. But you know what? God doesn't give you what that other person has. He gave you what you have. And it's not fair. I got three boys. And my son, Bing, who's five years old, yesterday, they, yesterday said, Dad, it's not fair. I said, what's not fair? He says, Walt, his, the 13-year-old, has Axe body spray. And Jed, the 8-year-old, has Axe body spray. But my boy, Bing, wants Axe body spray. And I'm not going to let my 5-year-old have Axe body spray. And I, and I said, you know what? Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. A five-year-old didn't get it. I understand that. Life ain't fair. Let me tell you, you don't have what, you don't have what she has. I, I don't have the ability to dunk a basketball. I am undunkable. Let, let me show you my high jump. Ready this? Watch this. Look, look closely. That's it. Gravity loves this body. And you know what? I can say it's not fair that I can't dunk a basketball, but it's undunkable. Let me tell you, some of you, God has given you certain things, and you say it's not fair because that person has more. No, no, no. God says, what's in your hand? What's in your hand is what God has chosen to give you with everything because everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. And here's the rest of the big idea today. Everything is dispersed by God. Here's our big idea. Everything belongs to God. Let's say that. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. Let's say it one more time. Everything belongs to God, everything comes to God, and everything is dispersed by God. Now, there's hand motions. All right, this is going to be fun. Everything belongs to God. Put your hands up. I see who you are. Excuse me, ma'am, I don't see that. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God, and everything... All right, let's say it one more time. Hey, I, I, I may get up here and dance. I'm just saying, let's do it one more time. Everything, 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 that's it. Everything, everything belongs to God. Everything. Somebody texted me a question for service. Does that mean my clothes are God's? Yes. Now, some of you, you're like, no, 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 you don't seem to understand. I have a job, and I have a job, and I work, and I make money. And because I make money, it's my money. Okay, quick, quick. Has God given you breath so you can get a job? Did God give you that job? Did God give you the smart so that you could be able to do your job and get raises to get the money? You see, here's the thing. 
It all belongs to God. It all comes from God. And here's the thing. God disperses it all. That is huge. Now, before we close, I'm going to answer some of your questions. I want to give you two assignments today. We're going to be talking about stuff and money. And for some of you, this is your first time here. I apologize. All right. Um, But let me say this. I hate talking about money. You know, a lot of preachers love talking about money. I'm not one of those guys because here's what I know. I know that many of you maybe bounced out of church because of money issues. It just seemed like all they were after were your wallet. And I want to be very clear up front that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what God wants from you is your heart, not your wallet. He gets your heart, all that other stuff will come. And if this is not your normal church, I don't want you to give. All right? But here's what I do want, and this is what I understand. I want to be, be faithful in how I teach God's word. And do you know that God's word talks more about money than so many of other things? God talks more about money than prayer. Jesus talked more about money than prayer. He talked more about money than heaven, more about money than hell. And, and if we never do talk about money, then I'm not doing a really good job. And let me tell you, most marriages end because of what? And I got to be honest with you, I get, I get, I, I'm so saddened when I do counseling and I see couples coming to my, in my, in my study and they want a divorce. I don't want to see your life wrecked because of money. So I'm encouraging you to do two things this week. The first one is this, when you leave here, all of you are going to be getting some sticky notes. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do with the sticky notes. Some of you, you're, you have some really valuable possessions. You got, it's in your head. You're already thinking about them. Your ring, your car, whatever that is. And on your most valuable possessions, I want you to take that sticky note, and I want you to write G-O-D, apostrophe S, and pop it on there. If you've got to drive around with it on a dashboard, do it. Now, for some of you guys, some of you need some help, so I'm going to hook a brother up. Your most valued possession is your wife, so you need to write G-O-D and you put it on her forehead. I'm just saying, just saying, she's going to go, Mwah, and you're going to get lucky. Just saying. All right, all right. Now, that's what I want you to do. <coughs> Dear Jesus. Um, <coughs> so I want you to do that on your most valuable possessions because they're not yours. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. The second thing I want you to do is for the month of November, I want you to save every receipt, every receipt of all the money that you spend in the month. Some of you are going, I don't sound fun. Let me tell you the reason why I'm asking you to do that. It's because if you don't know where your money is going, then you can't tell your money where to go. You see, some of you, the reason why you're struggling in this message right now because you would like to give, but you can't give because you're giving to MasterCard, Visa, and American Express. And you don't know where your money's going. So I'm encouraging you for the, this month to keep all of your receipts. And, next, and for the next two, or two three, four weeks, I'm going to be giving you tools every Sunday so that you can be able to write down, so that you can be able to track it. Because if you don't know where it's going, you can't tell it where to go. And all of us, we need to be telling our money, bless you, where to go. All right? All right, a couple of questions. <clears throat> Do you have a podcast possibly on iTunes? 
Great question. I don't know who put that in, but if you have a web-enabled phone, smartphone, if you go to version, go to your live event, scroll all the way to the bottom, and click on the podcast, it will take you there. Um, if you're on iTunes, you can type in one church, O-N-E-C-H-R-U-C-H, and you can be able to get it off of there. Great question. Um, this is from another individual. God also owns the body we put our clothes on. Just saying. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. I know, hey, that person I have in my phone, so I know who that came from. <laughs> when you know the pastor, I'm just saying. Thank you, Larry Key. Um, personally, personally, I think people are scared to give because they don't know what the offering goes to. Great question. So where does ours go within one church? Maybe people wouldn't be so scared. That's a great question. Here's the thing. If you guys, and we do this usually at the beginning of every year, we hand out copies of our budget. Um, whoever did that, if you will email me, I will email you our budget so that you can know what we give. I'll tell you just in a brief nutshell. Every dollar that you give goes towards change lives. Um, how we do this, uh, we have right now about uh, 45% of our budget goes on salaries. Um, we have, we spend about, mm, we spend about, I would say about 30% on facilities, this facility, because we have to pay Northeast High School and our offices. Um, and we, uh, we, right now, we give 5% of every dollar to, goes towards missions. Uh, we go missions abroad, and then we go also missions here, and we support local missions every month. Uh, those are just kind of off the top of my head, but if you would like a more detailed budget, you're welcome to text me your, uh, your email address, and I will email that to you. Very, very good question. So, all right, um, next one. How did God tell David no? we ask God for answers all the time. How do we know which message we are hearing? Is it ours or his? Great question. Let me tell you how, how David knew that God said no. You know, I would, sometimes I wish God would just talk to me like an audible voice. It's never happened. It would kind of freak me out, I think. But God has given us his word called the Bible. And if you would open up the Bible every day, there's sometimes you're going to open it up and you don't get anything out of it. There's sometimes you're going to open it up and you're going to go, it's like, it's like he's been reading my email, right? So I would encourage you to get into God's Word and get in there daily. That's how God speaks to us today, very, very clearly through his Word. I would also say this, get into a community group where uh, God's speaking to other people and they kind of they, you will you will hear God's voice through godly counselors. Solomon says that in the book of Proverbs all the time. And then the last one is I love my mama. Thank you for that confession. All right, <clears throat> as I pray, uh, the band's going to come out and they're going to sing a song, and it's called "With Everything." And I hope you remember our big idea that everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. And as they come out and as they sing, I ask that you would sing as you sing this, that you guys, ladies as well, that you would think through this, and you would make it your prayer that everything you have, however little or however much, that you would just start taking off that sticky note of mine. And God, it is yours.